This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Welcome back to the In Focus podcast. I'm Jayan Sriram. In our last episode, we looked in detail at the foreign assistance now pouring in for India by way of critical medical supplies from countries around the world and whether this would help us tackle the current coronavirus crisis that we face. Today we look at how things are shaping up with the logistics of managing this crisis domestically. Shortages of medical oxygen of course continue to be reported from across the country and as registration opens up now for all adults in the country to get a vaccine shot there is still the big question to address. Will there be enough supply to get it to everybody? We discuss all that and the trend lines with the latest coronavirus numbers with the Hindu's deputy science editor Jacob Koshi. Right so yesterday we did an episode with Suhasini basically tracking the uh, supplies coming in now from other countries other countries are pledged to yeah. uh, send India supplies to tide over this crisis. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, we I thought we'd take a stock of what the situation is domestically as India is trying to ramp up production, mm-hmm. basically organize the logistics around dealing with this crisis. Yeah. So I think the kind of obvious place to start is with oxygen supply because we've had a really rough the past one week has been terrible. If you look at if you look at news reports, if you look at social media, yeah. it's basically a wash with um, you know messages calling for oxygen, calling for beds. Uh, we've had news reports of uh, people dying because hospitals have run out of oxygen supply. Yeah. So, you know, basically, wh- where are we with that? Uh, what has the government done? What is the plan for the planning the logistics around oxygen supply right now? So, um, as you pointed out, right now it is we are in a state of scramble, so to say. The effort in the last one week or so is basically to be able to uh, have enough oxygen cylinders, or in some cases, oxygen concentrators. Or in other cases, uh, uh, you know, ensure that hospitals which already have existing oxygen supply lines to their patients, they be replenished uh, quickly enough so that patients who are already admitted in these hospitals get uh, oxygen at the adequate levels. Unsurprisingly, the states that are seeing the highest caseloads, you know, Maharashtra, Delhi, Uttar Pradesh, you know, these are the states where this demand has accelerated. I mean... It basically stems on from a lot of people, you know, testing positive, a lot of people showing symptoms such as breathlessness. And because of the state of panic involved, I mean, a lot of people are showing up at health facilities and demanding a bed. But unfortunately, even in the best of times, you cannot, uh, you know, all of everybody who wants a bed right now simply just cannot be serviced. It's almost like the equivalent of a run on a, on a bank. If everybody wants to withdraw their deposits in the bank all at the same time, the banking system collapsed. So it's kind of akin to that. And the demand right now is simply humongous. However, right now, the move has been to divert industrial oxygen. Most of India's oxygen producing plants are in the eastern and central parts of the country. And for, it's from here that they have to actually be diverted to the north and pretty much all over the country to 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 the west and this requires mostly road transport and that obviously takes its own time and now with a crisis in several several states 
are laying claim to uh, you know their own oxygen production facilities so this is uh, you know this is a this is a chaotic and crisis uh, ridden situation production has increased you know and india's daily oxygen production is about some 7127 uh, metric tons and its uh, requirement has increased by nearly 76% in 10 days you know so that kind of spike in demand is very hard to immediately meet so this cannot be resolved easily but it will over time but unfortunately the situation does seem that you know uh, many people will be denied of the kind of oxygen uh, enabled beds that they rightfully or you know they necessarily need because right so i think the the next big question now uh, we have to come to is vaccines because uh, we're recording this on um, april 27 yeah tomorrow the registration starts for all adults to start being vaccinated from may 1st yeah. now the big question then becomes what, where are we with supplies um, do we have any supply do we have enough supplies of covid shield and covaxin and have we heard anything about any other you know uh, brands or types of vaccines coming in to help with this supply side issue since uh, as far as just pure supply is concerned there is no sign that there is going to be a substantial increase in the number of uh, covid shield or covaxin or any other vaccine for that matter from may 1st at least as we've discussed you know previously both covaxin and covid shield are expected to really ramp up their uh, production supplies only really from august and september because that's the amount of time that they would require to scale up their manufacturing facilities yeah. so and already that we are we are already seeing a shortage in vaccines even r- right from april 1st even now there are many people who aren't getting their second shots or even though they've taken prior appointments they are not so registrations are getting delayed and uh, from may 1st because the overall supply has an increase and any of the sputnik v vaccine for example that was cleared you know that is still not arrived uh, dr reddy is supposed to import a certain number of doses and though other firms are expected to manufacture it we don't know when that manufacturing is going to begin again these are all supposed to have happened only around august and you know when the supply will truly increase to meet the kind of population demand that india exerts so to say because remember now both covishield and covaxin makers have actually announced their prices that they're going to be selling to states so how will each state negotiate what are the terms on which they will negotiate will bigger states and you know states with more cases and with more numbers have an advantage over smaller states already we've been seeing disputes among various states about the prices and about access so a lot of this chaos and confusion is expected to continue and uh, we'll have to wait and watch how that actually pans out right yeah you were talking about pricing what do we know about pricing so far because I, as you said the messaging on this seems to be all over the place and we still seem to have no clarity about who is sharing the burden of the pricing yeah. and, uh you know in terms of what what is going to be the price at private centers at public health centers what can we say sort of for our listeners for sure at this moment about what we know in terms of pricing so what we know for sure is that uh, for every 100 doses that let's say uh, serum institute of india produces 50 will be given to the center and the center will use that as part of its existing vaccination program that is everybody above 45 and those who are in governments uh, access it in government centers will get it for free those who access it in private facilities will get it for 250 rupees however it's the remaining 50 doses i mean the remaining 50 doses 
can be sold to states according to the liberalized policy of the government. It can be sold to states as well as private facilities. For states, Covishield has announced a price of uh, 400 rupees a dose and private facilities can get it at 600 a dose. Whereas Covaxin, you know, is being sold at 600 rupees a dose for states and 1200 for private facilities. We also know that in private facilities, for instance, you can only access these vaccines if if you register for them online. Right now, anybody can actually walk into any of the vaccine vaccination centers and get pre-registration on site. There's a lot of discretion left up to the states. The states can give vaccines to those below 44 for free also, and they can actually set up, set in certain age, uh, relaxed age criteria on their own. In that way, those vaccines can be provided in government COVID centers for free for those below 44. And many states have already said... Uh, Rajasthan, Delhi, for instance, have already said that they will be providing vaccines to everybody for free. So it is quite likely that this is going to be the, the trajectory they will choose. Many companies have also said that, you know, they, they would be interested in vaccinating their employees. Over time, I'm, I, I guess this will be a smoothened out process and, you know, uh, there will be pretty much vaccines should be available on call. Remember, after some time, we are also expected to see a increased supply in the range of vaccines. Once there is enough supply, I, there should not be much of a problem. But again, this is something that we that will happen only over time. Over the next couple of months, irrespective of how you slice the cake, there is going to be shortage and intense disputes over availability of vaccines. And uh, just to quickly uh, jump uh, topic again, Jacob, uh, we also have to discuss the, um, the, the surge in cases it shows no signs of stopping. Um, now, um, you know, what, what do we know about the, is there, a, is there a trend line that we can see in the numbers so far? And um, just to take you back to some of your recent reporting um, on variants, um, what role is the UK variant in particular playing in the, in the surge in cases? The trend line, unfortunately, seems extremely pessimistic. I mean, uh, we are going over three, three and a half lakh cases a day and uh, modeling by Different kinds of experts suggest that, you know, we could go all the way to four and a half lakhs. Some are saying five to 10 lakhs, you know, and those are truly, truly scary numbers. I mean, it is is just literally beyond comprehension. But uh, most of them seem to agree that by this logic, by by about mid-May, we should hit some kind of a peak and we could see a quick uh, decline. The, the, The more worrying part, however, in testing. In Delhi, for instance, we have a test positivity rate of 35%. That is, in Kolkata, there are reports that it is nearly 50%. That is, literally one in two is testing positive. And coupled with the fact that, you know, people are signing up for tests but are not getting results even after several days. This is a kind of a a systemic collapse as we are seeing. And uh, at least till mid-May, I mean, if all these projections are true, uh, you know, we're going to see a sharp incline. However, several other uh, assumptions about this uh, pandemic also has kind of been uh, questioned. I mean, there was a certain belief that, you know, given our experience with last year, a certain percentage of population would have uh, been exposed to the virus and were unlikely to have uh, been seriously infected again. There was always a talk that, you know, a certain possibility there would be a certain percentage that would be reinfected. But in the case of India, we really do not know whether many of those who have been affected before are contracting the infection again, aided by newer mutant variants, and whether they are 
um, acting as significant spreaders. This is something that again only only the only the future will really unravel after more kinds of such investigations are done. On the other hand, uh, the UK variant which has been brought into India, you know, because of travel between UK and India, especially uh, North India from Punjab, and uh, there, there were reports that you know there there have been at least four major what you call super spread super spreading events in Punjab. Remember, this is the time when life had absolutely been normalized in the last six six or seven months. So there were weddings, processions, mahapanchayats, the farmers' protests. You know, all of these were uh, you know significant events that saw extreme extreme uh, crowding, and uh, it has been hypothesized that you know the UK variant really took hold from here and. Because it's from here that it is spread to several northern states like Delhi, Uttar Pradesh, uh, Haryana, and travelers who have arrived, you know, from the UK and you know several other uh, you know parts of Europe who've come through Delhi, which is again a major international airport. You know, they have again from here traveled to several parts of Central India. You will see a, a, the the interesting thing. How we know this is because uh, when you see the based on the genetic sequencing of samples, it turns out that. Uh, let's say for uh, in uh, in in Punjab, for instance, there were about uh, eight cases of the UK variant found in positive samples from people who were travelers or you know their contacts. Whereas there were 543 instances of the UK variant in the wider community. Now that's a huge kind of uh, ratio. You would see similar kinds of trends in in, in Delhi and uh, you know Haryana, where you know for every one person who had who tested positive and had the UK variant and who had uh, a travel history, international travel history, there, there could be two or three in the wider community who have got the variant. But such a trend is not there in, for instance, Kerala and Tamil Nadu, where there are actually more cases of, of the UK variant within uh, fully in travelers and their contacts and less so in the community. However, in states like Maharashtra, for instance, it's the Indian variant or the double mutant variant as it's popularly called that is that is more prominent it's because of genomic sequencing that we're able to now see the more aspects or you know of the of coronavirus and its mutations and we're able to keep track of which mutants are spreading more easily so all of this in some way coupled with the massive crowding and uh, the sheer population of india and how people to people contact is among the highest anywhere in the world it's, it is all of these factors that kind of explain how we are in the midst of such a massive uh, second wave, which will be with us at least for a month or so, if not more. All right, Jacob, then we'll wrap up this episode here. And I think we'll sort of return soon um, for another weekly or bi-weekly update. Okay. And uh, thank you for joining us uh, today to just explain the situation domestically. My pleasure, Jay. Bye. In Focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.